This is the bonus track with uh, Roxana Bramada, uh, copywriter, conversion copywriter based in Romania. So we've done our 12 questions in 12 minutes. We've done very well. Mr. B is going to be very pleased with me. And I like to please Mr. B because he's a nice chap. So there was a couple of things that you said in there about when you first start a project, looking at patterns. And you also have a structure. Is, does this, what sort of patterns are you looking for? And a follow-up question would be, does that structure ever change? So it's a great question. Uh, it's the kind of question that people who deal with data <laughs> would ask, you know? Mm. Um, so when I do, when I start a project, let's say that somebody hires me to do their positioning. They're like, what's going to be my key message? Let's say that they're this company, they've been doing rather well, but now they want to considerably up their rates, up their profile. They need to come up with better messaging. The product has improved. What do you do? Mm. So uh, it can be a company and uh, like a tech company from mm. Eastern Europe, but it can also be uh, a company of one. Somebody who's built their own practice, they've kind of rehearsed, they went through all the moves, and now they're like, so I need to grow now. What's the next step for me? So I always do this 90-minute induction, and I will always start with the usual suspects. You know, I've seen induction questionnaires from other um, marketers around the world, um, and we pretty much all end up asking sort of, sort of the same thing. Um, and I've had clients say, oh, only these questions alone help me structure my stuff, blah, blah, blah. And it's always good. But, you know, that's always that, that's just the starting part. That's where you get them to brain dump stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the pretext for you to start untangling something. Mm-hmm. There will always be in those answers and in the proper conversation, because then you take the... Um, the answers that they come up with, you review them and you pick at them, just like you're picking at, at my answers, you know, like, this is interesting. What's this yeah. like? Say more about that, you know, stuff like that. And they will say something that ultimately will be revealing about their ambitions, about their goals, uh, about the obstacles and how they react to that. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you want to go, if you're, it's a company of one, I always go at um, what pisses them off. Mm-hmm. and how they go about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm looking for something in particular, um, but to go back to my hero, Werner Erhardt, he basically told me, because I met, I met my hero, oh my God, and we were at this conference in London, and he said to me, you have to create out here. It's you and me and nobody else in the world. And as you do, you ask yourself the ultimate question. What is that which I am interacting with? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's coming at you? For instance, I had a call with this lady the other day. Um, she's a transformational coach somewhere in England. And you have to ask yourself, what, you're pre- what are you present with as you talk to her? And she was, you know, you know how people show up 
at calls and basically you see a lot, you either see a, a generic holiday, you know, um, background, or you see people coming up with uh, the usual Ikea shelves or stuff like that. Mm. And I promise you, this lady had behind her a very particular kind of landscape, mm. which tells me that she doesn't make the obvious choices. She's mm. a curator, which tells me that she put energy into layering and structuring and, you know, picking those things. So she's a world builder. Mm. What else does she do? So the person you're talking to will show who they are mm. right there in that instance of talking to you. And you just have to be aware of what they're doing, observe and take the clues. That's it why is, I always it say... It is sort of like detective work that you're doing. That, it is. You know, you've got a structure that you use and you're also using your intuition to find those moments, those key emotions. Um, Absolutely. the person. Absolutely. And, and if you're... If you calm your system down and you just focus on them, you will listen to the clues. They will scream at you. All you have to do is ask and something will be revealed. And I, I promise you this is not standard um, copywriting procedure. That's probably what sets me apart and others because I don't think I'm the only one on this planet doing it. Um, but that's how it's done. You know, that's how I do it. That's how I reveal the truth. Interesting, very interesting. I, like, I want to go back and I want to go over something else to do with conversion. Uh, sure. So for me, so, when, I, when I do, I do very little conversion writing. I do a bit of it. As I'm always looking for the question, which is at the visitor to a website, is what's in it for me and try to address that. But I also go a stage further and wondered if you did the same by for their business building persona, persona marketing. Do you go down that route of creating persona for their businesses? Um, I always want to know who the client is and I want to um, make sure I get to know them as intimately as I can. And if you ask me what the obstacle is, that's always the number one um, objection I get from my clients is always going to be, do you really need to talk to clients? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Because that's where I get what they actually get from you, you know, yeah. um, that why they come to, to work with you, you know, why, why they go for you and not somebody else, so on and so forth. So I, I will go after persona information. I will go about it in the job to be done, Clayton slash Clayton Christensen kind of, you know, strategy school. Um, and, but I will, I will do the best in my power to limit the persona to one. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And I know, yeah, yeah, because you know what? It's always going to be tempting to say, oh, I have more. And of course, we're talking about a specific kind of client here, mm. you know. Uh, but you have to stay true to the thing that says, one reader, one promise. Otherwise, you're just diluting, you're diluting, you know. Well, that's a very interesting approach to it. But is that the case for all your clients? You've just come up with the one persona? No, listen, this is, this is where the, the agony is going to be because they're going to have a hard time letting go. And you have to have compassion for them because especially if they've just started out, they're either fresh off the boat or a few years in, unless they're very decided and very determined. And those are the ones that you really see, you know, yeah. skyrocket. Um, they're going to work through their own issues as they let go of some client and, and crystallize a better idea of who they're talking to or um, they need to test stuff and see what works because they're really, you know, this is a work in process kind of business that they have 
but I always make sure that they they get it. They really get it mm. that for this to work, there's going to be one. You know, in the end, there can be only one. Sounds like because, home, right? Yeah, but you know what? In they don't have resources for more. <laughs> they just no, don't. That's true, and you can lose focus. But it do, it does remind me of a disc jockey, very famous disc jockey who passed away a few years ago, called Terry Wogan in this country, and he had the biggest audience in the UK. I want. But he always addressed his audience as um, the audience, as one person, the listener, he used to say. And I often yep. wonder why he did that, because he could personalise and he was talking down a microphone, not to this tens and hundreds of thousands of people, he was just talking like a friend. And that focus was very friendly and very emotional and, and he was very much loved. So it's essentially what you're doing there is focusing on that one thing. Now... Because we're both in the digital space and we both, well, I toy with copywriting, you do it for a living. Um, what, how do your clients assess the success of your work? Do they look for a return on investment? Do they measure it in some way? Um, yes, ideally everything we'll do, we do, will translate into money. It's going to be some form of return on investment. Mm. Um, so if I give them sales copy that launches, they launch with, obviously, we're going to look at how much money they put in and how much they they took out if i do emails for them because sometimes i i also do that we're looking at what what happened how many leads would you have normally with this kind of email and how much have i you know where have i taken you have i taken you from a to b what's the what's the progress there um and hence the 15 percent on a friday afternoon in my bio, because essentially we had this tech company that was launching a premium package and they sent the campaign on a Friday afternoon and they converted at 15% on a Friday afternoon, which was Very pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. So, yes, but when you do somebody's key message, you're not going to be able to immediately monetize it you're not going to to say oh oh and and i just worked with roxana and she came up with my main sentence and i immediately blah 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 no because that's going to take some work um you're going to give them time first of all do they um feel as humans that they have a sentence that rings through to their work Mm -hmm. does that sentence work when we they work with clients what what's the kind of feedback they say do they feel that they're in possession of essential equipment as they walk walk around the world, mm. uh, spreading, you know, spreading their brilliance or whatever it is that they call it, you know, it, it, where they work with people, do they feel that they are concise and smooth and and strong in what they have to offer a world? Does it ring true for them? You know, mm. is and and ultimately, is it working? Do you engage in the kind of conversation that people say, "Oh yeah, I, I, I get what you're doing. Yeah, this is fine, completely. Uh, it's for me, or it's not for me, or I know somebody who." might just, you know, be able to yeah. blah, blah, blah. So oh, you kind of have to look for those things too. And then this incredible thing happens when your key message is, is concise, is focused, is a right one. When you stand in your core in will speak, you know, mm-hmm. then what happens is that you have a brand that you can actually drive. All of a sudden, the offerings make sense. You can talk about it. It's, it's, easy to come up with a content plan, so on and so forth, because the DNA is, is there, you know, it's all in, in, in the right spot. So you don't have to twist your mind into a pretzel and, 
and and your mind trip all over the place so that you can come up with an idea for a post. No, it's there because you're in possession of your key messaging. You know what you are and for whom. You know what that person's life looked like. You know how you enter their life, how you change it, what it looks like before and after, so on and so forth. When you have that, you know, go at it. You you're done, basically, conception wise. I'd now like to iterate pick up. And iterate and iterate. Pick up on something that you wrote that I was so intrigued by that I mm-hmm. um, posted on LinkedIn about this phrase, and I'm just going to ask you this. So the phrase is boudoir mantra, which I loved. I adored. So I had to write something about it. I just adored something that. Did that phrase just fall into your lap, or did you generate that? When you're, when you're writing copy, do you let it come to you because you're experienced and you've done your research and it all comes to you? Or do you work to a plan and that is that structure? Or do these phrases just come out thin air? I mean, uh, again, to the best of my self-awareness, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my answer. I am the kind of writer that will um, watch YouTube videos and then read whatever, and then blah, 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 and then all of a sudden, this rant will come off me, you know, or out of me. I will just sit down and write posts for two months, Mm -hmm. okay? That's how Boudoir Mantra happened. It just basically came to me, Mm -hmm. okay? Because I was, there was enough tension in me that Mm -hmm. I could create that, and and I, I say that in the best kind of way, the process was in place. To go back to our previous question, I was writing to to one person for one person. I had that person in mind, and you know, just to give it uh, an example, the person is my cousin, for instance. He will peek at everything I say. You know, he will sometimes call and say, "If I hear brain spa in you, if I read brain spa in your posts one more time, I'm going to go oh." <laughs> <laughs> You know, he will like, yeah, yeah, fine. You know, he's very hard to please is what I mean. That day I posted the boudoir mantra. He he called and said, so what's a boudoir mantra? <laughs> and I knew that if I had his attention, yeah, yeah things would happen. And, and that's where you came up and said, oh, I love boudoir mantra, you know, because yeah. obviously you're the kind of writer that would appreciate and reader that would appreciate that. Um, So you want to be in a place where you feed, you clean and you fuel your instrument. Mm -hmm. You clean it every day because you clean your perception and you call yourself at it when you're a jerk Mm -hmm. and, and you work the instrument to the best of your abilities daily. I don't do it daily. You know, but I have this calendar that says the Seinfeld Factor calendar. And every time I have, every day I have a writing practice, I cross an X. And every time I don't, you know, it just shows an empty, an empty box. Um, you, you clean and you work your instrument and then you pray for the best is what you do. Um, how much of this, because I was also intrigued by your love of puzzles. How much is puzzles cleaning your instrument? while your unconscious is processing stuff that you've learned 
So that's why, is that why puzzles are important to you or is it just, I like puzzles? Oh, I'm going to say two things uh, about puzzles. You know, I'm Googling my mind. What do I have about puzzles? I got two things. Um, the number one is a while ago, I was listening to this lovely podcast by um, Alec Baldwin. It's called Here's the Thing. And Stephen Dowdry, the director, was invited. And at the time, I don't think Stephen Dowdry had done much, but he had definitely done a wonderful movie called... Um, it's about this little boy who wants to be a dancer. Was it, what's it called? Uh, um, Timmy Elliot or something like that. Well, Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. A, a wonderful movie from the 90s, I think. And I was like, oh, I love Stephen Dowdy. What was Stephen Dowdy going, going to say? And Stephen Dowdy said, um, well, listen, if you like puzzles, you're going to like being a film director or editor because it's all about putting together the puzzles. And I was like, oh, wait a second. And at the time, I was working on a personal project. I had done a film documentary about my Aikido friends. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I tried it, and I loved it, uh, both the documentary and uh, working on the documentary and the puzzles. But the puzzles, I mean, like 2,000 Bruegel pieces, you know, I'm talking about the fall of yes. the uh, the revolt of no what's it called the revolt of the fallen angels or something like that by Bruegel whom I absolutely adore but that's a different story and second thing about puzzles is um I think it's the best we can um around um we can attempt at building like a you know mandala mm -hmm. you just work at it you complete it and then you completely unravel it and off it goes into space. And I read into this book by, what's his name? I think it's um, John Richardson. I don't remember the name exactly. It's a Jungian um, therapist slash author. He has these uh, wonderful, very short books about he, she, you know, the, the mindset of the archetype, the masculine archetype, the feminine archetype, so on and so forth. And he has one about the shadow. And he says... Your best way to eat your own shadow is to build mandalas. And I say the best way you can attempt a mandala as a modern living person is to do a puzzle there. I think I find that fascinating. I also find it fascinating. I've got a project in my mind which is about um, people's shadows leaving them. And so they have to go and find their shadows. So that's sort of, that's intriguing. Now, we're going to wrap up, and I'm in two minds because I've got two questions I want to ask you. But I think I'm going to go the easy route because, because it fascinates me. You said during our, our 12 minutes and 12 questions that if it was 175 years ago, you'd be a housewife. Could you explain that to me? Because it's not becoming words to me that you would be anything like that. Oh, come on. What do you think I could have done? a um, hundred years ago what were women doing a hundred years ago mm -hmm. what was their way of expression mm -hmm. the, the best thing the best i mean they 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 were like born into a family they were married off as yep. quickly as possible because mm -hmm. they were like you know one less mouth to feed and what was their sole channel of expression what is the place where they were like yeah this is my thing and i'm gonna ace it mm -hmm. mother efforts Running a home, that's all they had. So I would have made a brilliant housewife, I promise you. I'm sure. I'm absolutely Takes and all. 
Now, uh, there's other stuff I'd like to pick up on, but I think we've, we've run through some very interesting topics and I've learned a great deal from you and I'm very pleased with that. So uh, perhaps I'll invite you again for season three and we can pick up on Jerry Seinfeld because that interests me as well. So for now, Roxana Grimada, uh, conversion copywriter from Becoming Words, I'd like to thank you very much for being on Jelly Tron. Thank you. Anything, Mr. B.